Hey, this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. We still have time, although not much of it. You're going to hear that phrase repeated this morning. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to begin this message uh, by the reading of two scriptures that will not be on the screen because I want you exclusively to listen to them and put them in perspective. One presents a yikes, and the other presents a yay. Who can say amen? Now, in a similar fashion, we have all of us more so familiar with the good news, bad news scenario. We've all had those. Many of us are, are uh, facing those kinds of good news, bad news scenarios on occasion in our life, and most of them are impromptu. I remember uh, I was years ago, 25 years ago, I was leading worship like Jordan has done many times and then preparing to preach. And uh, we were up in the upper sanctuary uh, where the kids are now. And uh, because I was leading worship, the worship team would begin music uh, to kind of let me know, because I'm kind of a social butterfly, (laughs) it's time. Okay, so I hear the music. Oh, my goodness. So I have to go up. And just as I get in the door... A lady grabs me by the arm. She says, Pastor, I've got something to tell you. I said, I don't have time. I've got to go. It's time for worship. She says, no, it's good news and bad news. I need to tell you. I said, well, hurry up. Give me the good news. She says, I'm pregnant. I said, wow, that's great. Yay. And she, I said, well, what's the bad news? She says, my husband thinks you're the father. I said, What? Yikes! Now listen to me. That woman, it was the only face I could see in the entire... I was trying to lead worship, and I saw her face, and I could see her husband, and I'm going, what? Now listen, good news, bad news, things are real. Come on, say amen. So, uh, just like Will did a minute ago, I want you to close your eyes and listen to the short excerpts of these two scriptures. Would you just do that? I want you to listen carefully. The first one is a yikes scripture. Psalms 7, 11 says, God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath every day. Yikes. And from Luke 6, 36, we read, Your heavenly Father is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. That's a yay. Come on, you can open your eyes. So you got a yikes and a yay. His wrath is being revealed every day. But God is kind to the ungrateful and and the wicked. Isn't that good news? That's good news now. It's all good news. So are you ready for God's revelation today? Uh, Some of you may leave here with a yikes 
in your spirit? I hope not. But that might be the case even online. My prayerful heart is that you're going to leave here today with a yay. And I hope those that are hearing online will likewise feel such a, a passion. Now, as I read the initial scriptures, uh, it was meant to set our hearts and our minds for what God is going to reveal to us today. And I'd like you to participate with me a little bit. The following scripture that you're going to be reading or that we're going to be reading has the word all repeated. And when I come to that, I'm going to pause somewhat. And I just want you to pick up on it as soon as you can. Everybody out loud say all when you see the word all. Can you do that with me? Are we on track? All right, here we go. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all. Come on now. You did good at the beginning, but you're already waning off. <laughs> I want you to stay engaged. The Lord has compassion on all. He has made. The Lord is faithful to all. his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. Now, there's a lot of alls in there, isn't there? And that's powerful. So before we read on, it might do us well to ask the question, do I really believe that? Do I really believe all of that which I just read? Because if I really believe it, then am I prepared to declare it openly, freely, declare it with courage to those who may not know that that's the way God is? And that You'll have joy in your heart because you know that's the way God is. Come on. Isn't that true? All right, let's follow along. You ready for another all moment? I say, are you ready for another all moment? All right. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who, uh -oh. <laughs> to all, all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all. Woo! That's good news. Come on. That's a yay moment, right? Come on. Is that a yay moment? Yes, we feel that. Yes. So if we really believe that, are we so convinced of the truth of that that we're prepared to share it openly, freely, with courage and with great joy to those who may not know it? Come on now. Amen. So can I just, can we read that verse again? Only this time we're going to read it in its fullness. Can we do that again? Let's everybody on track. The Lord is near to who call on him to all 
who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over who love him, but, ooh, come on now, but, come on, but, the wicked he will destroy. Yikes! The yay and the yikes, the good news and the bad news. And I'm not going to have us repeat it, but I am going to have us consider that if you believe this and you believe all of it, and you believe all of it to be true, are you prepared to share it openly, freely, with courage and great joy? The whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. Because if we actually believe that God will destroy the wicked, then there should be some alarm bells going off that, oh, I don't want my neighbor, I don't want my parents are, I don't want my friends. I don't want, I don't want anybody to go to hell. So I, I believe all of it. Yes, but nah, yeah, I need to get on track. I need to, I need to take this seriously. Come on, say amen. Maybe, maybe more seriously than we ever have. We still have time, although not much of it. Most among us this morning, and even those who may watch online, will attest to the transcendent realities that identify our perfect, eternal, never-changing God. By the way, I said that on purpose. He is perfect, eternal, and he's also never-changing. You see, he doesn't have to change if he's perfect. Do you agree with that? Okay, follow along now. God, our Father, reveals himself in his word, which he has just done, through his Son and by his Spirit. Our triune God is one. And he personifies love and compassion, patience, grace, mercy, kindness, Righteousness, forgiveness, and justice. There's a sobering element about the nature of God because we get all fluttery. Oh, because it's true, God is beautiful. <laughs> but the reality is, God's also just. God is indeed good, indeed righteous, because God is indeed love and both good and righteous. When he is rejected or neglected or in any way dismissed as one who has ultimate authority, his righteousness becomes a righteous indignation and his wrath is aroused. So I'm asking a question. Is there enough perversion is there enough violence? Is there enough evil and wickedness in the world 
that could suggest that God's wrath could be aroused? Is there? I mean, is yours? I'm taken back. I don't even like to watch the news. There's a lot of really sick stuff going on. Whether it's in our schools or churches or communities, or there's a lot of sick stuff going on. And I believe God's wrath is aroused. So is his love and his compassion and his mercy and his forgiveness. I want to read another portion of Scripture, only this time in the New Testament, that may shed some light. It's a significant, lengthy portion of Scripture, and many of you are familiar with it. But I want to point out a couple of things that maybe God would help us to arrive at a, a sound conclusion. Matthew 25, 34, in this incredible teaching that Jesus is giving, he says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Notice these first four words. Then the righteous ones... Did you see those words? You see that? Is that on the screen? Then, uh, come on, go to the next one, guys. Then these righteous ones. You see that? You see that? Everybody on the line? We see that. Okay. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Now, notice the words of this next one, beginning in verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on his left. Do you notice what was missing in those words? Righteous. Because the first one, he says, the righteous will say, and then this one, ah, there's something in your face missing. King will turn to those on his left and say, Away from you. Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and demons. For I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. And I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. I was naked, you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Jesse, I want you to come up. Would you do that? I talked to Jesse just prior to the service. She began to share something. I wanted to share this with you. Now, notice what this next word says. You've got to pay attention to God's word. He doesn't put anything in there recklessly. He says, then they will reply, Lord. No, did you notice? They said the same thing the righteous did. Lord. These are people that 
either had a relationship with Jesus or certainly knew a lot about him because they called him Lord. They did, right? They're in the same body. They're, they're thinking like more, most, most people in America, if they say that there's 70 some percent, 73% of Americans now consider themselves Christian, well, that means there's a lot of people that could be potentially saying this. And he's, when did we ever see you naked or in prison and help you? you know, I'll tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. They'll go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. And he's making an incredible distinction. There's a yikes and a yay moment right there. So let's clarify this. If God is kind to the wicked, and we were once counted among them, because like Paul says, you know, we were, some of us were homosexuals and thieves and liars and adulterers. Some of us were like that. And God in his loving kindness came and saved us because God is kind to the wicked. And we're all testament of that. Isn't that true? Right. So if God was kind to the wicked, do you think God would expect us to be kind to the wicked? Would you think that? That seems like a logical deduction. Jesse, I want you to share this real briefly now. The reason I say that is because she's got a lot of me in her. <laughs> I'm a preacher's kid. You give me a mic, I'm going to start talking. Um, this is really quick. I thought it was a really cool story. Uh, I came across it this week. Um, a co-founder of a Satanist church in um, the United Nations somewhere overseas. U U Ukraine, I think you no. said. No, what uh, no. But anyway, uh, he, ex it's like shaken the whole area because he has accepted the Lord. And basically, it's a long testimony, but the nuts and bolts of it, uh, he had just finished an interview. This lady had called him uh, from a news or TV station, and he uh, had been corresponding with her all along. He went to the interview. Uh, when it was over, uh, she followed him out to the parking lot, and she said to him, Are you, I just really have to know, do you really, as a Satanist, really believe you don't believe in God? You do not believe in Jesus Christ? And he said, absolutely not, and just, like, really was uh, harsh towards her. And uh, he said she did not say a word, but she stepped towards him and wrapped both arms around him and just held him and hugged him. And he said it really just took him back. And he said, I can't explain the feeling I had, but I had this love feeling just come over me. He said it kind of shook me. He goes, but I went back to my church and I met with the elders there, and they said, well, now that you've done this interview, you need to do a ritual because it's going to help you, you know, ascend. Uh, so he said, I went in to do a ritual, and uh, I don't know what this means, but he said, I opened myself up. And as I did, he said, Jesus Christ appeared to me. And he said he didn't have to say anything. He goes, the feeling I had when that lady hugged me I felt a love, and I just wept. He said, I, I've never felt love like that. He said it was just, 
he goes, I'll never, you know, go back. And he said, everyone's texting me and emailing me. Why would you turn your back on Satan? And he said, I've just, I know I have seen real love, and it was the love of God, and he is real. Woo! So, God is kind to the wicked, and God expects us to be likewise kind to the wicked. So, how do we reconcile the words in, in 1 Corinthians when Paul says to the church, this guy, a professing Christian in the church, was sleeping with his father's wife. He says, don't even eat with that guy. Get him out of your church. Well, there's a significant difference. Because the wicked are those that are in darkness and they have no knowledge of light. And we're to be kind to them. And it's that loving kindness that draws people in, like her hug drew people in. But somebody who claims to know Jesus and continues to live in perversion, you are not to even eat with that guy. This is, this is some tough stuff. But it's important for us to make some degree of differentiation. So when we see a gay couple that's out there in the restaurant, we can go to them and be kind to them and, and show them the love of Christ. We don't have to get all self-righteous and judgmental. Who can say amen? But if that same gay couple comes and gets saved and then does not repent of their gay lifestyle, then I don't even eat with that couple. Does that make sense? I mean, come on, I'm trying to help us out here. All right. Now, we must believe that. We must believe all of that, lest we ourselves lose out on eternal life. Because, like we just read in the scriptures from Matthew, there are two groups, one righteous group that goes into heaven and one that goes into eternal uh, punishment. And I, we, we just don't want to go there. Okay, so let's figure this out. Job 28, 28 says, the Lord said to man, oh, excuse me, Proverbs 9, 10, I skipped. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you finally start to get it, understand it. And if knowledge is downloaded information and wisdom is the practical uh, application of that knowledge, how do we further define what understanding is. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Job says, the fear of the Lord, that's wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. So there, we've got two now. We know Jesus, and we shun evil. And Psalm says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. So there we have it. To know Jesus to shun evil, and to follow or obey his commandments. Jesus says, if you, you love me, you'll obey my commands. Isn't that what he says? Sure. So, or here we go. So, we wrap this up in the verse of Isaiah, the Lord, he will be a sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. You know what? You can lose your car keys. You can lose your house keys. But you better not lose this key. 
The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So you might think, and might be accurate to say, well, this message must be about the fear of the Lord. And certainly it is in a sense, but it, it's simply to lay the runway so that we can come to a fuller knowledge and understanding of who Jesus really is. This message is actually about time. We still have time, although not much of it. And he is a sure foundation for our times. And the key to this treasure is the fear of the Lord. Now, I'm relatively certain it was not intentional, but those brainiacs who developed AI, which is artificial intelligence, are you following me? Actually named it accurately. I looked up the word artificial. It means that which is produced by human beings contrived or false. <laughs> Synthetic, manufactured, fabricated, imitation, mock, fake, plastic, false. Yeah, artificial intelligence. It's not real or authentic in any way. It's man-made version of the real thing. God wants to give us real intelligence, real knowledge, real wisdom. Amen. Come on. Real understanding, nothing artificial about it. In my feeble mind, I believe it's entirely possible to have access to virtually unlimited knowledge. <laughs> You can get on your computer for the rest of your life and not glean everything that it could give you. But you know what? You can be dumb as a pile of rocks if you knew it all and don't know Jesus. Come on. Because knowing Jesus, remember, that's when you understand. When you finally understand something is when you know Jesus. Now watch this. It's possible to have wisdom and knowledge and be left pitifully short of understanding at least from the biblical definition. We are to know Jesus, shun evil, and follow his commands. James 4, 17 reads this. Remember, it's sin to know what to do and not do it. <laughs> That's a yikes moment for me. Why? Because it's stupid. It's just stupid to know what to do and not do it. Come on. It's stupid to know you should drive on the right side of the road and you don't want to and you drive on the left. That's stupid. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. I, I'm kind of prone to be stupid sometimes. I, I wish I was more wise. My wife is profoundly wise. Very careful. I'm profoundly stupid and very not careful. The reason I'm not farming is because God wanted to keep me alive. <laughs> well, if we read the biblical account of Noah, he preached his heart out for 120 years. He told people about God. He applied the knowledge of God to his life and family, thereby exercising wisdom. He obeyed the commands and instruction of God. He built an ark in a land without water. And so we know that Noah had it going. He gleaned not only the knowledge of God and applied it to their life as wisdom, but he had understanding. He rejected the world and its ways and accepted God in his ways, while the world the whole time rejected his preaching. 
So they built an ark, and the rest is history. But what if we, like those in the days of Noah, download certain amounts of factual knowledge, we apply only the knowledge we desire, we become wise in our eyes, we obey what we decide is culturally acceptable, we tolerate a degree of evil, even if that evil can potentially mean the destruction of our children. When I read about all the garbage that's taking place in schools, the transgender nonsense that's being taught, all in the name of love and tolerance, it's easy for people to get confused about this. Wait a minute, what does God have to say about this? I know what you have to say. It seems to make perfect sense to me. I mean, I love, I love too. I love to love people. We have to decide what is culturally acceptable may not be biblically acceptable or spiritually acceptable to us. There's some very difficult lines that have to be drawn by you, especially as parents in, in the world in which we live. There's perversion even on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> and we have to decide. Do I feel my father's pleasure? I mean, I'm not trying to tell you how to live. I think God is trying to tell us how to live. Amen. And I believe God is saying, hey, you're, I'm either pleased with you or I'm not. I actually believe with the Holy Spirit's help, we're supposed to be able to discern the difference between good and evil. I, I, I've come to know a, a, a bit about the, you know, elements. Of, you know, I, I mentioned a minute ago that I'm kind of on the careless side. I, I, I just tend to be that way. I, I jump in before I notice how deep the water is. I about broke my neck. I do things that, it's not that I just lack wisdom, but there's times I'm just plain stupid because I act without thinking. Does that make sense? It's one thing to have courage and no wisdom, which I tend to kind of side on, you know. I'm not afraid of that. Let me have it. My brother, he was, he was like me. He, he made a a set of plywood, quarter-inch plywood wings and jumped off a gravel pit cliff. 30 feet, broke his nose, busted himself up. I mean, he had courage, but he's dumb as a pile of rocks. <laughs> we were all kind of in that system at the time. But there's so many other people who have a lot of wisdom and they have no courage. And by, can I say, I think that's even more pitiful to know what to do and not have the courage to do it. Well, our definition of wisdom caused failure in the biblical, could it cause failure in the biblical definition of understanding? We have churches today that have um, gay pastors, They'll marry same-sex couples. They'll baptize unrepentant uh, people in various lifestyles. Those churches have opted for love, and they've become wise in their own eyes. 
Please listen. God is kind to the wicked, but he will judge. He'll judge the church that knows better, that lacks the courage to do better. Come on. So 1 Corinthians reads, where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God through the world, its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Whew, yes. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, because of him, the loving kindness of God our Father that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God. That's our righteousness, our holiness and redemption. So you don't have it apart from him. If you think you're righteous apart from Jesus, you're just self-righteous and that is dangerous. Our righteousness is in him and him alone who can say amen. And we were all in the pit of hell before he pulled us and plucked us up out of there for such were some of you, he says. Well, whether it's in the world or in the church or anyone who ignores God's authority, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. I believe we should expect a similar fate because God is the same and his judgment is pure and right. Is God's wrath as real today as it's always been? I I tend to believe it's so because God is perfect and he doesn't change. There's no way to present the truth of what's happening in our world without saying that the acceleration of evil in our day-to-day experience is the direct result of both mankind's rejection of God and his authority and his existence, his absolute truth, and you combine that with a, a, a satanic and demonic uh, power that is releasing upon the face of the earth the perversion in many ways that you can't even articulate. It violates my mind to think about some of those things. Come on, say amen. In the course of human history, it appears that we're repeating ourselves. We're down this road again, uh, just as it was in the days of Noah. Here we go again. God's word has tried to warn us. History has tried to warn us. God's prophets and pastors have tried to warn us, giving clarion calls of prophetic revelations on street corners, in homes, uh, uh, in social media platforms. Uh, But it just doesn't seem like we have learned much as a nation. The world hasn't learned much, and maybe some of us haven't learned as much as God expects us to if True understanding is shunning evil. None of us needs to be a rocket scientist or nuclear physicist to believe the world as a whole is nearing the end. What I believe to be a very perilous journey if we continue down this uh, downward spiral. A journey that concludes with the collision course of the judgment of God. Now I want you to listen to me. Job 28, 28 says this. The fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. To shun evil is understanding. Jesus said it like this. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. 
people were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage to the day that Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. And the day uh, Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Everybody go, yikes! If you don't know Jesus, but yay! Yeah. yeah! If you do know Jesus, but if you love the wicked like he loves the wicked, then we've got a lot of warning to do in a short amount of time to do it in. Come on. Because I believe we're, we're, we're at the precipice of the end times. Come on now. The soon return of Jesus sets the judgment of God in motion. We still have time, but not much of it. How many of you have a smartphone? You have a smartphone? Would you take it out for a second? Just take your smartphone out. Uh, I, I asked my son to help me because I got a smartphone in the hand of a dumb man. <laughs> but I want you to go to your, your uh, clocks. Would you do that? Go to your clock. If, if your clock is like mine, uh, I, can, I can set this clock. Would you set your clock? Mine says it's 1049. I'm not sure what yours says, but my clock says it's 1049. So I want you to set it for uh, 1053. Can we do that? So I'm going to hit edit, and I'm going to go um, 1053 a.m. Are we there? Are we there? Come on. Uh, well, trust the rest of us then. <laughs> Everybody's alarm is set. How many of you remember the, the Titanic? It was a beautiful ship, a true measure of human ingenuity. And let's not forget, it was unsinkable as well. Ooh. On the morning of April 14th, numerous messages were sent, casual but direct, from the captain of a sister ship named SS Corona about icebergs in the general vicinity of the path of the Titanic. And those messages were received by the captain. And true to form, they were ignored. Sounds like the response of many who are hearing the warnings of pastors. Just ignore them. <laughs> the guy is hyper. <laughs> At 1.40 in the afternoon on that same day, the captain of another ship, the ship was named Baltic, and it sent out a more urgent and alarming warning that the coordinates of the ship's paths were in direct known of the icebergs were in direct path of, of the Titanic. Another ship, the California, sent another urgent message saying, you're in the path of an iceberg. And then another ship, a German ship, by the way, named America, sent the report of actually seeing, physically seeing two icebergs in the path of the Titanic. They sent an urgent wire to the captain of the Titanic. And the captain's Titanic, uh, captain, Titanic captain wired back and said, shut up, I'm busy. 
The ship went on while the people were sleeping and eating and gambling, enjoying the journey. The mighty, the beautiful, the unsinkable went down in less than three hours. 1,512 people died. So what are we to gather from what we're hearing today in this message? There are some pastors sending messages, wake-up calls of sorts, casual messages, just like those early ships. The end might just be closer than any of us thought or imagined a few years ago, but we should be watching for Jesus. Others were sending out more urgent warnings, maybe like the one you're hearing this morning. Pastors mock us and send out you know, who sends out such alarming messages? I mean, lights are flashing, microphones are blaring, prophecies are being declared. They're saying, be ready, be warning others. So are we in the crowd that says, come on, we'll ignore it? We're like 120 years of people ignoring the voice of Noah's preaching. Are we going to respond like the Titanic captain that says, shut up. Yay! I'm putting mine on snooze. <laughs> How do I shut it off here? Okay. Okay. The alarms went off. Snooze. Shut up, I'm busy. I'm not ready to get up yet. And my voice and my cry to the church is, hey, hey, it's time to wake up. Come on, all of us, I need to wake up. Because I believe the time is short. Oh, we all have time, but not much of it. And the world needs to know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Second Peter says, don't forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord's not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand, he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish. Not wanting anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Why? Well, God is kind to the wicked, and he was kind to us. That doesn't sound like a, or doesn't that sound like a loving and compassionate God? Yes. Don't forget this one thing. Is that the way he reads that? Yeah, I think that's the way that scripture starts. Don't forget this one thing. Because you see, God has a calendar. And if one day is like a thousand years, and we have 6,000 years of human history, according to a, the biblical calendar, then we're at the very end of the 6,000 years. And the 7,000th year is about to begin. Amos 3, 7 says this. The sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. 
First Thessalonians read now concerning how and when all this will take place. Dear brothers and sisters, we don't need to write you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure. Disaster will fall on them suddenly and there will be no escape. But no, he didn't finish there. He went on to say this. But you aren't in the dark. Dear brothers and sisters, you won't be surprised. You're not going to get caught off guard. It's not going to come unexpectedly to you. Why? Well, number one, I'm here today to warn you. God's word is warning you. The spirit is warning you. You are in the light. You ought to be expecting him to come. We need to be expecting Jesus to come at any minute. Come on. We don't belong to the darkness and the night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert. Come on. So, note this reference is to those from the Lord himself. The church is never mentioned as shocked, surprised, or caught off guard no surprises for, for the believer, but a huge surprise for unbelievers. So, as you recall, I mentioned the phrase, as in the days of Noah, it was as a sign. Jesus said, this is a sign. For instance, to help reveal the season that we're living in, do you realize that Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. And there are 6,000 years in the portion of history in which we now live. Do you remember the first demonstration of Christ's power? Do you remember the first demonstration? Remember his first miracle? Do you remember that? Yeah, he turned water into wine. Now, That was an awe-inspiring moment. Notice what John writes. This beginning of signs of Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, Jesus did not drink from the cup uh, until, well, we don't know ultimately, but the last time he drank the cup, he said this. This will be the last time I drink wine from this cup until the next wedding. There's going to be a wedding at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And God will open up the wine of his spirit. He's going to open up the wine vats that day. Come on, say amen. I believe a thousand years is as a day as we have purposely revealed in God's word. Now listen, those of you that have been with me for the last 30 years have heard me say many, many times, I believe that a thousand years is as a day. And if that's the case, we're at the end of the 6,000 years and Jesus, Jesus died, rose again when he was in the approximate age of between 30 and 33 or something like that with 33, yeah. So if that 6,000 years, 
puts the possibility of his return sometime between now and the next 10 years on the biblical calendar, if a thousand years is as a day. We, you know, we don't set we don't set the calendar, but God has a set calendar. The good news is we have time, although I, I believe we don't have much of it. Our lives, according to Psalms 91, our lives last 70 years or so, if we're strong, 80. Even the best of them struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass away quickly and we fly away. Who understands the power of anger? Your wrath matches the fear that's due you. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. My friends, listen. I'm asking God, help us to wake up and let the alarm of the hour that's before us wake us up so that we don't put the snooze button on anymore. Who can say amen? It's time for us to be kind to the wicked. Time to warn those who claim uh, Christ as real. There's going to be a lot of people that poo-poo us. I want to conclude with the following. The day of judgment will come when Jesus returns for his church. It's not wishful thinking. It's not fanciful pondering or foolish imaginations. It's not some kind of, you know, made-up escapism. It's biblical revelation. So how are we to conclude the matter? Number one, the Bible is not silent about the times in which we're living. Number two, God intends us to discern the signs of his coming. You see, there are signs, miracles, and wonders. Miracles, boom, they happen. A, a healing takes place. Woo, boom. You know, it's, it's the boom thing. Awe, wonders are the things what happen when you see a miracle or when you look up into heavens and you see the cosmic universe. You're awestruck and there's wonder in your spirit. But signs are given to give us indication of what's coming. And Jesus had the sign and now he's giving us a sign. We must be prepared. Do you hear me? We must be prepared. Oh, that's one thing. I've done series on being prepared to help our, our families. We have food, water, you know, shelter. Have some, be prepared in the short term, but I'm talking about being prepared for the coming of the Lord. So how are we? Here's what scripture says. We are to be watching, be waiting, working, Warning and ready. Five things. You got them? Waiting and watching. Warning. Ready. Working. You got to be doing that. It's not one. It's okay for you to be watching. It's okay for you to be ready. It's not okay, though, for us not to be warning people. And we can do that in the most loving and kind way. Show kindness to those who are lost. 
there's still time, although not much of it. It was in August of 1980, in a church just like this, when I heard the words of God say, Mark, get in the ark. Pam, get in the ark. David, get in the ark. Nancy, get in the ark. So, is he calling your name? You think you, think you got it going without Jesus? You, you're not going anywhere without Jesus except to the perilous judgment of God. And it's never ending. Romans 10, 9, 10 says this. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. That's when you shun evil and obey his commands. That God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, that you're made right with God. And you know what happens? Boom! <laughs> you're in the ark. Just like that. Boom! That night, my wife and I got in the ark. God just wants you in the ark. And he's calling your name. He's calling your name online. Get in the ark. I want you to bow your heads. My friends, first of all, listen. You know whether you're in the ark or not. You know whether or not Jesus is your Savior and Lord. You still have time, but we don't know. I mean, it's imminent. The return of the Lord is upon us. We don't know when, but we know the signs, just as it was in the days of Noah. So do you hear him say your name? Do you hear him say, son, I love you. I, I'm expressing my kindness and my love and my compassion to you. Get in the ark, son. Get in the ark, daughter. I love you. I don't want to see you go into eternal judgment. I, I, don't, want, I don't want you to go there. I, I've got a place prepared for you. Oh, a glorious place. There's no pain or suffering, no tears. It's a glorious place. I've got a place prepared for you. Won't you come? Won't you get in the ark? If you're here this morning and you're not saved and you know it, you know whether you're ready or not. I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I, I feel like God is saying my name. I need to get in the ark. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here that would give your heart to Jesus today? Because you know. You know that you know in your heart. You don't want to be left behind. You want to go to be with Jesus. Come on. Is he calling you by name? He knows whether you're in the ark or not. And he knows you know. If you're online and you're listening to this message, I encourage you. Ask Jesus to forgive you. 
to come into your heart. Believe that he did rise from the dead on the third day. Believe that he is coming back for his beautiful bride. Yes, the Lord is beautiful. And he looks upon his bride the same way. You're beautiful. So, Father, thank you for what you're going to do. Get in the ark. The clarion call of pastors.